Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Cities Chronicles podcast. My name is Adam Beck, your host of the Chronicles, and my day job is Executive Director at the Smart Cities Council for Australia and New Zealand. Welcome to another episode of the Chronicles, uh, the podcast that really tries to focus in on smart cities uh, action and investment and outcomes. Uh, and delighted to be um, uh, joined today uh, in this session uh, with Hayley Barnes from George's River Council. Hayley, thanks so much for joining us. No problem, Adam. It's great to be here. Thank you. And um, as we do with all our uh, guests, Hayley, we'd love to start off by understanding who you are and what you do. So I'm the Coordinator of Strategy and Innovation at George's River Council. Um, my team is a new team, so our whole directorate is called City Strategy and Innovation, and we encompass economic development, communications, marketing PR, and also um, the bigger city transform projects um, that my team's working on. So I'm, I essentially head up the project delivery side of um, City Strategy and Innovation. Hayley, um, we've got listeners all over the world um, and not everyone knows where George's River is. Can you give us a little bit of a, a bit of a sort of geography um, calibration here on, on where the council sort of sits geographically and, and maybe just some, some highlights. What do people love about George's River? You know, what, what are the, what are the, um, the things that people love, the community talk about, um, you know, Play, play sort of tourism guide for us for a moment, if that's okay. <laughs> no worries. Um, so, George's River Council was formerly the Hurstville and Cogra Councils. So, we're situated in the South District of um, Sydney, where we are about, we're about 20 minutes from the CBD via train and we're about 10 minutes from the airport. So, we're really... We're quite centrally located for a metropolitan, um, metropolitan city. We also um, like to think of ourselves as a little bit of a, a bit of a gem of the south. So we are essentially the gateway to the south. So we border on um, the Sutherland Shire, um, Bayside Council, and um, to our north, we've got um, Canterbury Bankstown Council. And um, uh, somewhat sort of new correct in terms of the amalgamation yeah so um we amalgamated in 2016 um so there was a major amalgamation project obviously going on around that to um amalgamate the services from the two former councils um and that was a great opportunity for us to i suppose um focus on change as an organization and as a city and help position ourselves into the future so um, we currently have about 150,000 people within our um, LGA. Uh, we've got quite a young workforce within our LGA and low unemployment. We have two strategic centres in Cogra and Hurstville, and those strategic centres are really the focus of what um, my team's been work working on currently, so making sure those strategic centres, as identified in um, the South District Plan from the Greater Sydney Commission, are really realised and they help to really drive um, our city moving forward. And, and Hayley, I'm putting you on the spot, but just to leverage uh, on that point, uh, I've noted that um, uh, council is going through sort of a local strategic planning statement process, you know, looking at sort of, you know, what, is, what does the council look like? What does the, uh, the community look like 20 years out? Um, mm -hmm. That's underway at the moment, an interesting exercise. Any early insights on that? Yes, 
um, our local strategic planning statement is in full swing. Um, we're actually really proud of all the engagement we've done around the uh, around the um, the planning statement so far. We're actually on round two of engagement, and what we're hearing from the community is that. They're really, they're really proud. They're really proud of the local area. Look, we believe it's a place where you can live your best life. Um, your accessibility to the city, your um, accessibility to the world even, when we talk about um, our location to, um, in relation to Sydney Airport, the opportunities we have locally in terms of um, jobs and education. And the community are always telling us how proud they are of that. Um, they're really proud of our local centres as well. So George Shiva has, um, as well as having our two major strategic centres in Hurstville and Cobra, we have a really strong village village vibe that our community just loves. And they are constantly, um, I suppose, encouraging us to maintain the public amenity and make sure we deliver um, deliver as, as fantastic services as what we what we currently are. Excellent. So um, let, let's sort of pivot now, Hayley. Let's talk all things smart cities and, and sort of digital transformation. So, you know, let me start with sort of asking, you know, what's kind of the plan there? I mean, where are you at on the journey? Um, where did it kind of come from? Is the support top down? Is it bottom up? Give us a, an overview of sort of where you are with sort of smart and digital transformation at the moment. All right, so as I mentioned a little bit earlier, so after going, the merger actually provided us with a really fantastic opportunity to um, both self-reflect on where we were as an organisation and have a look at how we could um, best deliver services for the community ongoing. Um, so what that, the great thing about that was is that it instilled in us as an organisation a really um, strong um, ability to change. So it made us more flexible as an organisation. Um, so from that, we've been looking at a whole range of digital transformation opportunities. A lot of it sits around our um, customers. Then um, more so in the projects that, that I've been exposed to, um, we've been able to build some partnerships with external organisations. Um, UNSW built environment, so University of New South Wales built environment faculty and also Street Furniture Australia, who approached us oh, um, late 2017 to be involved in the Smart Cities and Suburbs um, grant. So we took up that opportunity and from there, that was almost our catalyst, um, catalyst opportunity for Smart Cities. So since then, we've been working to build um, internal I suppose, um, make sure that our, you know, internal, that our staff are really um, thinking about smart cities opportunities, as well as just thinking as, uh, thinking about digital transformation more wholly as well. So, so I love that idea that, you know, a journey starts when an opportunity emerges. So the UNSW um, and Street Furniture Australia opportunity um, sort of mosey on you know, down the street, um, you had the opportunity to sort of engage in that. Um, can I can I sort of uh, ask a question before we sort of unpack that a little bit? Um, had you had you sort of um, been observing from the sideline what others are doing? Had you been engaging with any 
sort of peers within local government? What was what was sort of your, your baseline there? The engagement in that grant or that partnership? Well, just, just, just before it. I mean, before that came along, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, what, what was what was the sense of, you know, where, where a journey might go on smart cities and digital? So I think the best way to, like, and going back to my point before around, um, you know, an organisation that was in the perfect opportunity to really embrace change. Mm. Um, we were, we were, we were at that point where we were engaging with partners. We were, you know, forming alliances, building partnerships um, out there, building relationships within, um, you know, different different industry bodies, our um, neighbouring councils, and from there, um, it was actually. I think not a not a chance opportunity, but I guess I guess you could describe it that way um, between our economic development officer at council and um, Dr. Christian um, Teets, who actually was who's, who was a, um, a one of the project managers for the round one project. They actually worked together on a, um, a smaller project for council, which then opened up the doors for us to um, engage in that partnership more fully for the round one grant. So I guess for a little bit of a, um, it was it was a nice um, occurrence of circumstance, which led to that partnership, which, which then really sparked thinking around um, our smart cities journey. Yeah, excellent. Now, um, for our listeners that that have may not have sort of tuned into previous. Uh, episodes of the Chronicles. We have indeed uh, interviewed a number of um, local authorities uh, across Australia who have uh, taken part in and received funding uh, under the Australian Federal Government program known as Smart Cities and Suburbs. So, uh, so Hayley, you guys, um, you guys then sort of mobilised and and prepared a uh, a submission for for round one. Now, uh, of course, that that program is a matching program. So you actually have to put some, some money on the table, you know, so there, there's an element of commitment that must, must sort of come with that. Talk to us about, um, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the submission process, you know, you, you, you were sort of in the room, you know, with your other two partners, talk us through that sort Mm -hmm. of collaboration and sort of that preparation to, to, to put the, the bid in. So um, the round one submission was actually driven by um, UNSW. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was again, um, at the time, it would have been a really um, big feat for George River Council to have put in an application for that first round of um, Smart Cities funding just because it was so close to that merger. Yeah. And we needed to make sure we were prioritising the right projects um, within council um, and also what we were going to deliver for the community to maintain you know, um, their, their expectations of um, just general service delivery. So round one was really driven by UNSW um, as the lead project partner. Um, but what we did with them is they engaged us the whole way through. Is once, they, um, once we made it clear that we had an appetite to be involved in the project, we worked out, um, I suppose, what the benefits would be for um, a small to medium-sized local government. Um, and we really spoke to them about what we were looking to get out of the project. We were looking to get out of, we were looking to um, create, have a better understanding of how the community was using our public spaces and how we could better design them into the future. So we, it was, it was quite opportune again. So round one allowed us to engage in the smart cities grant process with minimal risk, which is really nice 
for um, you know a, a government body that's going through such extreme change, and also um, you know quite strict resourcing around what you can spend your funding on. Mm, so it sounded like the perfect opportunity at the perfect time, kind of. Um, that that that's uh, that's excellent. I um, I want to talk about the project a little bit, of course. Um, so this is a, a sort of like a public realm kind of project. Can you give us the high level, forty thousand foot view, sort of summary of, of of what the project is or was and what it's sort of comprised and, and then we can sort of dig in a little bit. But what was what, what was the overall sort of idea behind the project? Okay, so the overall idea for um, round one, so project was named um, Smart Social Spaces. So the idea was that we would um, pick um, a green space and a grey space, so a park and a plaza. And the park and the plaza needed to be identified um, by the community as places that um, either were highly activated currently or needed some activation um, into the future. So we, um, so as a council, we didn't do any direct community consultation for round one, but we, we were informed by um, past community engagement. So um, what then happened was, is that UNSW and Street Furniture Australia worked out um, worked with us to then create some smart street furniture and we actually activated the two spaces with this smart street furniture including um, a prototype product which was a healthy living hardware which was essentially I don't know if you can imagine a, a, t, a t shaped structure with um, two what looks like um, like chopping boards coming out the side so what it was was um, a piece of outdoors, outdoor furniture that could be used by the community in essentially whatever way they wanted to use it. So it had lighting, access to power, access to water. It had the food, food preparation um, uh, stands along the side, um, charging stations. So basically the community could interact with it how they wanted. And then these bits of smart street furniture um, collected data. There was also, so there's also um, smart bins included in this as well. So they collected data and then we um, have been used that data to help inform master planning for those sites moving forward. And in terms of gathering data and the, the type of intelligence that you, you gathered, this uh, focused in around the patterns and use of those public spaces, would that yeah, be? Yeah, that's correct, Adam. Yeah. So it was about um, yeah how, how people were using these spaces. So there was a element of behavioural mapping prior to the installation and then behavioural mapping after, as well as the, um, the quantitative um, data from the actual um, street furniture itself. We also learnt a lot around, um, you know, um, when assets were, when our council assets, you know, needed repairing, if there was... Um, you know, why weren't people using it for a couple of days? And we found out, yeah, because the power was down, the power was tripped or something, something in that regards. Then we get out there and fix it. So what it became as well, it was a way for us to be um, proactive in our maintenance rather than waiting for a um, community member to report it to us. So that was another really good, great benefit of the project. Can I ask you, I suppose maybe just stepping back a little bit um, around sort of public realm, public places and spaces, um, you know, that is a very, you know, how do I describe it? A very, you know, they're social spaces. 
it mm. kind of represents democracy at time. You know, we all own them. They're the, they're the public sort of space, right? Um, I, I certainly have been watching, you know, for quite some time, this evolution of, of technology and data within the public realm. Um, and, you know, we're becoming, our, our ability to understand um, more quantitatively how public spaces and places are being used is, is sort of advancing. You know, I, I feel like almost every month now we have new sensors for different things. Um, can I, I think the question I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to ask relates to the engagement of your internal colleagues. You know, I assume that you've got urban planning and, and urban design and landscape sort of capabilities or, or skills or staff. Um, how has this sort of more, you know, digitization, uh, or, or data led sort of, um, placemaking and urban design, how has that evolved internally as an organisation? You know, maintenance and the design and investment in public spaces and places is a huge deal for, for, for municipalities and local government. How has this in, internally, culturally sort of played out uh, at George's River? So um, as part of the project, um, there's a delivery of a... Um, Smart city dashboards. So we actually, which is where um, the obviously the data all comes to the one single place, and then um, we can use it as an organisation to make decisions based on you know our, our assets and our public space, our public spaces. Um, so that was actually the actual physical presence and and the ability to show the particular teams in council that may have a use for that data what that data was and I suppose the pulse beat of it coming into council um, was really effective in showing them that there is something more than just an asset sitting in a public space. Um, so I guess it helped tell the story of that particular asset and then more broadly that place. Um, I say that with the caveat of we're not fully utilising that dashboard at the moment. It has just been, it's been, um, I suppose, workshops throughout different council areas to see how they would um, best use the information coming in, help inform their job moving forward um, and to make sure that they're making the most efficient decisions. Um, we've also found that uh, other teams from council are really keen to make sure that um, we're using the data in the most effective way possible. So we've had our waste and sustainability team look at installing um, sensors in bins the whole way down um, Forest Road in Hurstville, which is essentially um, where we ran the first project and we had a couple of sensors in bins there so that we can then look at that particular area, which is high, highly utilised by the community, really high foot traffic. We get 40,000 people through Hurstville Station a day, um, looking at that to make better decisions um, around um, the waste management cycles as well. Haley, have the um, have the community been responsive? Uh, uh, do they do they kind of get it? Do they know what's going on? I mean, what what have your messages been to them in your your sort of discussion? So a lot of the a lot of the messaging has been around. Um, we've got this new exciting street furniture and it, we've really spun it to be more of the, not spun it's probably the wrong word, but we've really um, done the key messaging around this is the offering for you to be able to use this space 
in whatever way you um, see fit to use it. Um, we've tried to build some ownership over the space as well. We've been talking about running um, some youth events within um, our her school space so that the community can really, um, yeah, can feel like they own and they can um, interact with the furniture more than it just sitting there. And then, you know, if they can't get a USB stick in properly, well, then they'll snap off the cover. And we found that um, the more that we can engage the community in the actual space, and um, help them to understand what we're trying to do or what that offering might be for them. Well, then they can choose to use it as, as they see fit. And um, on the actual sort of uh, street furniture itself, I mean, um, these kind of amenities, um, I, I, you know, they're not, they're not new in terms of providing, uh, you know, waste receptacles and, and places for people to sort of sit. Um, you, your partner, uh, in the project Street Furniture Australia, um, how or how and, and, and what did uh, council learn in, in terms of, you know, the, 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 essentially the digital transformation of those very analog kind of, um, you know, products and services around, you know, bins and bins and benches. Uh, how how was how was that sort of as a team, you know, how did it feel sort of evolving and and is uh, is it sort of uh, a, a new sort of product? Is it something that, that's potentially going to be scalable and, and replicable and you'll continue to invest in? So that's a really, really great question. It um, gives me an opportunity as well to, I suppose, say how um, grateful I am for our partners. So Street Furniture Australia and UNSW Built Environment have just been um, so fantastic throughout the first project and um, the round two project that we're currently doing at the moment, which um, Georgia River Council is leading, which is smart social spaces, connecting green places. So it's a bit of a mouthful and it's an extension of the first project, again, looking at the public realm. Um, but for me and for um, my, my colleagues here at council, it's just the ability to work with two specialist teams and think about the public domain in a different way um, and think about it through either the data lens or the behavioural lens um, has just really, I actually think it's really changed the way we look at that, look at the way um, the public interact with um, the, the different spaces so that we can make sure that we're providing the best offerings um, possible. So, um, so round two in particular, we're looking at creating some chill-out hubs in um, different areas throughout the city. So those chill-out hubs are there to really mitigate the urban heat island effect that can be can be found across Georgia's River, like in many um, urban cities. And Street Furniture Australia have just been fantastic in finding innovative solutions and innovative products and designing these products um, to help us, help us find solutions to um, problems that, you know, before we may have and although a very valid solution, we may have looked at planting trees, um, but the ability to, I suppose, think about that um, more fully um, and using street furniture as a solution to some of those problems is, um, has been a, a real value add for council. In terms of scalability, we'll have to, like everything, we'll have to see um, how we go, but definitely wouldn't rule out something like that. Has, has this project... Uh, sort of either changed your mind or opened your mind in terms of, you know, how, uh, 
how the sort of analog to digital transition is being made in kind of areas or places that, you know, we didn't think of sort of five or seven years ago? Oh, definitely. I, I would never have thought when I sat on a, um, a, a park bench that there was data being given back to the local council to tell them whether or not, you know, it was broken or, um, you know, it needed to be maintained or even um, I would never have thought when I was walking down a local, um, in a local shopping centre, oh God, it's hot. <laughs> and, you know, um, the local council is potentially, you know, understanding those weather patterns and then going to make plans in the future about how to create a more comfortable environment for um, the community to meet and gather and um, make those connections. I think it's fantastic. I think it's a really great way and a really, um, positive step forward in the way we plan in our cities. Um, that, that's, that's great to hear. I, um, I wonder if there's some sort of information you could share around sort of the de deployment itself. You know, it's often a, um, um, it, it can be a challenging part of any sort of smart city or technology project, the actual sort of, putting in place the the switching on the the implementation i mean were there were there ever any nerves there did, did sort of anything not go to plan or what, what, what can you share about uh, the actual sort of deployment part of the project yeah so um no it all went perfectly no only joking <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think like all of um anyone that's um you know worked on a smart cities project it's it's a learning curve for for everyone involved and um, and so for round one, when it came to installing a lot of the, the smart street furniture, um, there was a learning that we've had from round one is that a lot of that furniture probably needed to be a little bit more, it needed to be tested further. So the actual data collection from that, from the particular, um, I think it's the, the different sensors within the products. Um, so when we did put the particular pieces of furniture in the ground and put the sensors on. We then had to, I guess, backtrack and look at, okay, why isn't this working? And then do some troubleshooting. So we're making sure that round two, it's all fully tried and tested before it's actually um, deployed into the community. So that's just from the tech side. And then from, um, it's the more council side and the installation of the products. A lot of these, although it's, although it is in essence street furniture, it is new. So there is um, a lot of um, work internally. Um, it's a bit of a, a, a cultural curve as well. So, you know, making sure that everyone feels comfortable that, you know, the furniture they're putting in and the way that it um, needs to be maintained into the future as well and just goes into, you know, the asset cycle of um, how we would maintain all of our street furniture. So just making people comfortable with, with the process that although this thing is essentially new and it's, you know, innovative and it might, be unique um, you know you have the skills to help install it you need to be comfortable with that um, and then you know as a council it's really important that um, all areas of council actually own that product and they're proud that they have smart street furniture within their community and I think we've done that really well uh, in, in, in that sort of same sort of vein Haley. On, on data, has, has this project at all, uh, I suppose just more broadly for council, um, provided any, um, 
you know, light bulb moments or real uh, sort of ideas or inspiration around what data is, is, is possible in terms of collection, um, you know, the, the, the value of data. How has, has this project influenced your data journey in any way? Um, so, as I mentioned before, we're working we're working with the partners on the um, the dashboard mm. to help us um, essentially see and then use the data. And then the idea would be that to make that data available for the community to then use. So that you know, working towards that open data um, open data platform. Obviously, we're a little bit away from that, but that's the that's the um, the long term aim for us. Um, we were actually having an interesting um, conversation internally the other day about um, making data available because obviously council has so much data and data that, you know, one, and, we, and we do tend to work, you know, in our silos. And one of the things that Georgia's River Council is really trying to do is break down those silos. We've been talking about how we then use the data, um, how we use the data that... In individual business units might be collecting as almost an open data platform within council. So mm -hmm. I think that that external, the idea of external data coming in and the whole, um, you know, external facing smart cities program has actually made us think about our internal data a little bit more, which has been really interesting because I didn't, that's one of those, you know, unexpected outcomes of when you're, you know, um, looking when you're community facing. And then when you step back and look internally, you think, oh, actually, there's a lot of value in us looking at our own data. And we, you know, we hold we hold so much data and now working out what the best way to use that internally is to make great decisions for the city moving forward. Yeah, well, it's often, uh, or at times, it, it can be those real um, unplanned sort of instances that you, you sort of stumble across something that can be um, quite impactful. Um, uh, you know, a question A question now that I, I sort of think about um, is, you know, as an organisation, you know, wh wh where do you kind of go from here? You, you've mentioned round two. So you, you've got a second round of funding from the, the federal government. Do you want to give us and share a little bit of an overview about um, what, what, what that project is and, and how it is kind of going to differ or leverage the the round one project that you you executed yeah yeah no worries so yeah as I mentioned we've got um round two so um off the back of round one and working really well as um with street furniture australia and unsw the partners all got together and we said hey let, you know let's give this a go let's go for round two funding we think there's more we can do in the space um so we all saw i suppose an opportunity to continue, continue working um, in the um, public domain and smart furniture space. Um, so we, working together, we identified that um, there are particular areas within our, within our community that um, are quite hot in summer and that need, particularly in the town centres, that, you know, are underutilised. So we were trying to think of ways that we could activate but then also make them, I suppose, cool enough in both sense of the word so that they were appealing um, for people to actually, you know, sit, mingle, um, socialise 
um, undertake, you know, some do some working in an outdoor environment, um, support the surrounding shops and deliver some economic development um, benefits for the community as well. Um, so round two is all focused on is is really focused on creating um, uh, green spaces, so cool spaces within our city. So we've named them the Chill Out Hubs. And we're going to be delivering three chill out hubs in October this year. So the chill out hubs basically monitor um, monitor you know weather weather patterns in a particular area to help find um, solutions to um, urban heat island effect. And we've also we've teamed up this grant with um, the five million trees grant that the um, New South Wales government has provided, which. So not only are we delivering um, street furniture in these particular sites, we're also going to be um, in, uh, planting trees because we realise that obviously trees are a massive, um, a massive factor to bringing down the heat in a particular area. So yeah, really excited about this, about this second round. Um, October, they're due to be installed. We're just getting all our community engagement work um, underway at the moment, but um, yeah, we, all three of us, um, UNSW and Street Furniture Australia, have been working well and um, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting uh, to, to keep on this journey. I, I, I love that idea that you can sort of build upon the first phase and, and, and go that next level. Um, and and I, I think I, I wouldn't be alone in saying that um, uh, climate change and urban heat island effect is, is such a... Uh, you know, such a w wicked problem. Um, it, it's a big problem, but it's also such a granular um, sort of challenge as well. So um, really, really looking forward to see uh, what, what comes out of that. I was in Darwin a few weeks ago, um, the, the same challenges, of course, again. Um, so uh, going to keep a, a watching brief on that one indeed. So um, probably last question here, Hayley, you know, you, you've, you've kind of... Um, uh, you've kind of got some great projects now that have, have been delivered and, and um, of course, the, the round two still to go. Can I ask you sort of, you know, one final mega question, you know, what have you learned along mm -hmm. the way and what are you looking forward to over the next 12 months? What have I learned along the way? So I think um, the main, I know that the main learning for me has been um, the value of partners. Um, I would definitely, at council, look, we're the experts in some things, we're not the expert in all things. Um, so it's really important that we build partnerships and relationships with um, the experts out there in the field to help us deliver um, solutions to um, identified problems within our community. Um, so for me, that's been, you know, the major takeaway from the whole smart cities program and it might not be the you know the sexy answer because it's not the data it's not the technology for me it's actually the working relationships that you're building um, and the the shared passion between all the partners to deliver something really great for the community so I think it's really important that you know any, any um, smart cities work we do into the future we keep we keep that really strong foundation in place um, so <coughs> sorry excuse me so in saying that, um, what I'm really excited for is just to, to see how much the community loves these new chill out hubs, um, to see them 
user to see to see how we could then implement something like this um, further throughout our community. I'd love to see other councils, um, you know, do something similar for their for their community and help share um, what we've learnt through our projects as well. Um, and then obviously a little bit more broadly, we'll be looking at um, how to create. Um, you know, how, how as a council we can enable a more innovative city so we can continue to find solutions to these to the, prob the wicked problems that cities are facing these days. Well, Hayley, I think that's a clear um, um, sort of invitation for, for others, uh, both in local government and, and other spheres, to sort of maybe get in, in contact with you and, and learn what you've done. You've certainly got a good body of knowledge building up there and, and no doubt that partnership, including University of New South Wales, is, is certainly delivering some insights. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I need to sort of uh, wrap it up there. Um, look forward to circling back at a later date to see how round two yet. But for the moment, um, thanks so much for joining us on The Chronicles. No problem. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Um, and for our, for our listeners, that was Hayley Barnes, uh, who's coordinating strategy and innovation at George's River Council in New South Wales, the recipient of a number of grants to really advance the idea of building some smart places and spaces, and of course, tackling one of those really wicked problems that many cities around the world are facing around urban heat island. So uh, look Hayley up. Uh, that's what LinkedIn is for. Reach out. I'm sure um, she'd love to connect with you. Um, for our listeners who aren't subscribing to uh, the podcast, you can do so through your typical platforms and podcatchers and uh, all those uh, great things. Uh, you can also find us uh, on uh, the interweb, um, smartcitieschronicles.com. We always love feedback and suggestions. You can contact us. The email address is chronicles at anz smartcitiescouncil.com. My name is Adam Beck. Uh, I'm the host of The Chronicles. Uh, it's been great to have you join us for this episode. Uh, we look forward to bringing you more informative uh, examples and interviews around smart cities action, investment and outcomes very soon. But for now, um, have a great day and enjoy your week.